0: All right, turn to Matthew chapter 12. We're going Calvary Chapel style, verse-by-verse teaching through Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. I love God's Word. Psalms chapter 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. That and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit awakens our hearts it brings the truth of God's word to our hearts, and we're thankful for that. So, this morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. And let's read this opening portion of scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property? Unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Lord, thank you for your word as we study it this morning we look at this passage. Father, open our hearts. And again, God, help us to see the freedom and liberty and forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption that comes through you, Lord. We love you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen. And then the title of my teaching this morning is Binding the Strongman. And I had, a, had a, somebody come up to me before service and says, How do we bind the strong man?" I'm going to explain it to you at the, of, at the end of my teaching because that's actually going to be one of the last verses that we go through. We're actually going to talk about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because that's also in this passage. But we're, we're, the title of my message this morning is Binding the Strong Man. Now, the first question you should be asking is Who is the strong man? And I'm going to go ahead and give it to you up front. The strong man in the text is Satan. People's belief in Satan range from a little guy with horns who sits on your shoulder. Urging you to sin, to expressions of personifications of evil in this world. The Bible, however, gives us a clear portrait of who Satan is and how he affects our lives. He is an angelic being who fell from his position in heaven because of sin, and he is now completely opposed to God and to God's people. He does everything in his power to thwart God's purposes and you're ready for this, he hates you, and he wants to destroy your life. And he, wants to, and he hates all people, and he wants to destroy their life. He knows that he's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. He's going to spend eternity in hell, and he wants to drag as many people as he can down with him. But the Lord Jesus Christ came to destroy his work. And through the gospel, through our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the chains can be broken. And the strong man, Satan, can be bound. His works can be destroyed. So that's what we're looking at this morning. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 32, is an exchange between the Pharisees and Jesus. And it's all about this, uh, the power of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of Satan. So we're going to see what Jesus teaches us this morning in this passage. So with that said, Let's look at the text. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 22 in your Bible. It says, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the mute man spoke and saw. You see, demonic possession had affected this man. It affected this man not only spiritually, but but it affected him physically. He was blind. He was mute. But I want you to notice in this verse just the simple statement that brought healing. How he was healed. He was brought to Jesus, and Jesus healed him. Friends and family, it's that simple. Healing and deliverance is found through coming in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, with knowing him as your personal Lord and Savior, committing your life to following him, to surrendering your life to him. That's where deliverance and healing is is found. God can do what no man can do, and that is bring deliverance and healing to all who come to him. Again, verse 22, I can't make it more simple. It says halfway through the verse, they brought him to Jesus, and it just says, and Jesus healed him. Because that's where our healing is. Whether it's physically, spiritually, or mentally, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the answer for healing and for deliverance. Can't stress that enough. It's not in holy water, it's not in a crucifix, it's not in going to church. It's, it's you coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Jesus, I love you, I trust you, I believe you, I repent, I, I turn from my sin, I give my life to you. Lord, will you will you begin that healing in my life? And he will meet you there. He will meet you there. He will deliver you. But we have a responsibility, friends. We have a responsibility. We have to come to faith. We have to come by faith to him. We have to humbly come to our Lord and Savior and he is mighty to save. Let's take a look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, all the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? So here in verse 23, all the crowds all the crowds were amazed at his healing. They were amazed at his healing because Jesus is the real deal. He was not fake. He backed his words with actions. He had all authority over the forces of darkness. And notice what the crowds say in the second half of verse 23. This man cannot be the son of David, can he? When the crowds say that, they're they're thinking messianic. They're thinking, could this be the, the prophesied Messiah that was to come, that would bring in the kingdom, that would bring in healing, that would bring in this... This, this state of uh, healing and deliverance and bringing in the kingdom? And the answer is simply yes. Yes. This is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is bringing in the kingdom. Look at verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. This statement here in verse 24 reveals the twisted and evil mind of the Pharisees. Do you, see what, do, you, do you understand what's being said here? They are accusing Jesus of being in line with Satan. That's what they're saying. That he's doing it by the power of Satan is what they're accusing him of. The Pharisees here could not tell the difference between good and evil. They could not tell the difference between truth and lies. They could not tell the difference between God and Satan. How sad is that? These were the religious leaders, and they couldn't tell the difference. Let's set the record straight. There's Satan, and there's Jesus. Satan represents darkness. Jesus represents light. Satan is a liar and the father of lies, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Satan brings darkness and death. Jesus brings abundant life and eternal life. Satan brings bondage to sin. Jesus brings freedom and forgiveness of sin. It can't be any clearer than that to, to understand who God is and what God does in our life. Versus the forces of darkness. And now, here in verse 24 of our text, they are accusing Jesus of being inspired by Satan. shows you how far they had fallen and how little they knew of the word. They were very religious, but their hearts were cold. Their hearts were darkened. Let's continue, verse 25. Verse 25, Matthew tells us, And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. Verse 26 If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And I just want to say off the get go, Jesus is an incredibly smart individual. He is a masterful thinker, and you're like, duh, he's God. Of course, but he is so smart and so precision with his words to disprove and show the fallacy of their statement in verses 25 and 26. Jesus is saying here, I'm going to put it to you in layman terms, Jesus is saying here, Pharisees, you need to think about what you're saying. You're accusing me of casting casting out a demon by the power of Satan. Why would, Satan, why would Satan cast out one of his own? Why would Satan cast out one of his own? Satan does not want demons cast out. If he was to do that, he would be working against himself. It makes absolutely no sense. You see, Satan and demonic powers, they work together. They work together, they work in concert to keep the world from coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is their mission, is to keep people in darkness, to keep a, a cloak of darkness over their mind so they can't see the beauty and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they see how wonderful He is, how magnificent He is, how awesome He is. They keep the people from seeing that truth. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, the god of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God so first thing paul says there in 2 corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 he calls satan the god of this age you see satan rules this present age and he is behind the spread of ungodliness and he has cloaked he has draped over the minds of unbelievers his deception okay He is the God of this age, and it says he's blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the glory. The only way to have this cloak removed from the unbeliever's mind is by you and I sharing the gospel, you and I sharing the good news that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he rose from the grave, and that if they will open their hearts, that if they will repent, receive, and put their trust in him, he will come in and he will break it. If they will come to Christ in genuine repentance and faith. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Listen to what Peter said, 1 Peter 5.8. He says, Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the scripture clearly warns us, Christian, be alert, be sober-minded. In other words, be aware of your surroundings. Understand what's going on in the world. Understand that Satan wants to come in and trip you up. Satan wants to deceive the world. And we have to be on the alert for his tactics and his attack. And it says, be sober-minded. I love that word, sober-minded. In other words, think clearly. Think clearly and and, and understand that that your decisions have consequences and and think things through. And he says, uh, like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. How how does Satan devour the world? How does Satan devour the world that we live in? What What is his cloak of darkness? He whispers to the world. He whispers to the world. Some of his whispers to the world, the Bible can't be trusted. It's got errors. It's got mistakes. You can't trust everything it says. That's an ancient book written a long time ago. Don't think about that book. He tells some people that sin brings more joy than Jesus. That's about the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. You know, sin brings darkness. Sin brings shame. Jesus brings light, He brings love. He brings real life. He's amazing. Satan tells the world they're stuck in their sin, and there's no way out. It's, it's, it puts people, It puts people in a hopeless situation. That's what Satan does. St Corinthians chapter four verse four and First Peter, chapter five, verse eight. And we know that he is a liar. And the father of lies. The truth be told. The Bible and Jesus can be completely trusted. He testifies that. He he holds his word above his own name. Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. Because, Because God inspired this book. God gave us this book. And we can trust his word. We can love his word. And we can trust the Lord Jesus. And live our lives for him. Christ alone brings healing. Christ alone brings forgiveness. Christ alone brings redemption. There's no greater joy in this life than living for Jesus. Jesus fills our lives with hope. But we've got to understand that there is a spiritual warfare out there. And we get, we got to be aware of Satan's tactics and and. and, and Come, to him, come against him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praying for the lost, ministering to those who are hurting and those who are deceived, and helping them come to know the greatness and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe we're at verse 27. Verse 27, Jesus continues. He says, If I by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason... They will be your judges. Verse 28, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So again, here, Jesus is saying he specializes in setting people free. He he, he, he specializes in setting the captives free and giving them freedom. By By his power and the power of the Holy Spirit, he sets people free from sin. And Jesus brings the kingdom. Notice verse 28. He says, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What does the Bible say about the kingdom of God? The the Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. That's what Christ does when he comes into our life. He brings righteousness, he brings peace, and he brings joy. And he gives us a clear mind to think and a pure heart to worship him in spirit and truth. But here's the deal. You must come to Christ. You must come to the person of Jesus. You must come to the foot of the cross. You must must encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. You must come to Him in complete surrender, ready to repent and lay down your life, uh, being committed to following Him and serving Him wholeheartedly. Through discipleship and through commitment to Christ, you can find freedom. You can find freedom. And the joy of discipleship is truly amazing. It brings a new heart. It brings a new attitude. It, it brings a, a, a new mind because Jesus makes all things new in our life when we come to him. And he fills our hearts with inexpressible joy. And friends and family, this invitation is to all, not just a select few. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This invitation is for freedom. This invitation is to be set free from, from demonic oppression and possession and, and all the tactics of Satan. It comes through Christ. God shows no favoritism. If a person will humble themselves, he will deliver. All it takes on our part is a step of faith. That's all it takes on our part, is a step of faith. God says, when you're ready, he tells the world, he tells the planet, all eight billion people, when you're ready, I'll meet you at the foot of the cross. Watch out. When you meet him at the foot of the cross, he will meet you. And he's mighty to save, he's mighty to deliver. But again, as as fallen people living in a fallen world, we have to take that step of faith and go to the cross. And he meets us there. He's amazing. Verse 29. Verse 29, here here we're getting into the strong man. This is a passage that's quoted a lot. A lot of things are taught on it. And so let's let's dive into this strong man passage. Verse 29. Jesus says, how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? So what Jesus is talking about here in verse 29, the overall picture, Jesus here is talking about freedom from the bondage of sin and from being a slave to Satan. Let's define a few words here. He says in verse 29, "How can anyone enter a strong man's house?" The strong man in the text is Satan. The house, strong man's house, is Satan's kingdom. It's his domain. It's where he's operating at. It could be in someone's life. It could be it, this. You could look at it as in someone's life. You could also look at it in the culture. You could also look at it in the world. But it's where kingdoms. It's where he, this strong man, Satan, has set up his domain. And then he says. He will, and then his property, verse 29, are, are the people, are those people under his influence. So here it is. When you put that together, Jesus is the one who breaks down the front door. He ties up the strong man and he delivers the hostages, which were you and I. He delivered us. Jesus plunders the house of the devil's goods. You see, Jesus is not just sitting on his heavenly throne, being worshipped in heaven, even though that is taking place. Rather, he is also on the front line, kicking down the devil's doors and setting people free today. This attack on Satan's house began when Jesus burst through the front door at his birth at Bethlehem, Satan put up a wimpy fight through the Pharisees, through Pilate, and through their opposition to Jesus. But at the cross, at the cross of Calvary, Jesus bound Satan, and Jesus stripped him of his power. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, the apostle Paul says this, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The death blow to Satan, to the dominions, to the forces of darkness in this world uh, was dealt at the cross. It was dealt at the cross, and that's where they were defeated. It was prophesied in Genesis. Chapter 315, the Proto-Evangelium, where he would crush Satan's head and Satan's head would strike his heel. That is where spiritual warfare is won, when we go to the cross and we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ comes into our life, comes into our community, and he kicks the door down and he sets the captive free. You and I, friends, are the property that Christ takes out from the domain of Satan, all because, Christ, all because Christ is stronger and more powerful than all the forces of darkness. So, whatever you're facing, whatever challenge, whatever spiritual warfare that you may be experiencing in this life, remember this, Christ is stronger, and Christ is is greater and through him you can win the fight you can win the fight he's the creator of the universe everything is in subjection to him he has all power all dominion all authority but we you and i have a free will we have a decision to make am i going to do it my way Or am I going to do it Christ's way? Am I I going to humbly submit to my Lord and Savior, come to the foot of the cross, give it to him by faith, let him deal with it, let him work with it? Or are we going to do it on our own? I'm afraid if we do it on our own. Matter of fact, I'm not afraid if we do it on our own. If we do it on our own, we'll fail. But with Christ, we will win the fight because he bound the strong man, Satan. So to answer the question... How does the Christian bind the strong man? How, 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 does, how, does, how, how does a Christian bind the strong man? By simply preaching and sharing the gospel with those who need Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We share the gospel. We share the good news. We preach it. We share the word. And the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit comes into the person's life Binds the strong man, throws him out, and fills their heart with his spirit. Okay? So we pray, we ask God to work in their lives, but it comes through us proclaiming the gospel and sharing the truth of Scripture that Christ, the stronger man, binds the weaker strong man of Satan. So he offers us liberty. He offers us freedom. Let's look at the last portion of Scripture. Let's look at the last portion of Scripture. The unpardonable sin, verses 30 through 32. Jesus says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather gather with me scatters. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven of people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven of him, either in this age or in the age to come. I remember as a new Christian in 1992, I first read this text. Fear struck my heart. Fear struck my heart because it says they will not be forgiven. They shall not be forgiven. I'm like, oh, have i like, ah, have I committed the unpardonable sin? You know, when people first read this text, that's the first thing they hear. You know, you know, I thought all sin was forgivable. I thought God forgives all sin. And he does. But there is an unforgivable sin. Blasphemy against the Spirit, he says in verse 31, shall not be forgiven. So what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is simply this. It is the deliberate rejection of the Holy Spirit's witness. That brings you to faith in Jesus. And if you don't come to faith in Jesus, there is no forgiveness. Because there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to be forgiven. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. John chapter 14, he will convict the world of what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. He bears witness to the sinner's soul that Jesus is who he says he is. If the sinner opens his heart, the Spirit will come in, and they will become born again. But if the sinner rejects the Holy Spirit's witness and continues to reject the witness of the Spirit, his heart grows cold and hard. And, they, and over a period of time, they no longer hear the Spirit's calling. It is this refusal to accept the Spirit's invitation to receive and believe and trust in Jesus that leads to eternal damnation, okay? Because there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Christ. And God sends his Holy Spirit. When we share the gospel with people, um, the Spirit will convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I tell people when I witness to them, and Please think clearly. Please listen to, your, to the inside because this, the but scripture says the spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And they need to hear that voice. A common question I get on um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, um, I get it from believers who have fallen away or or, believe, or people that have never come to Christ in the first place. And they'll be like, Pastor David, have I I committed this sin? Am am I in danger here? And I'll ask them three questions. The first question is, do you desire to trust in Christ? Do you desire to trust in Christ? Question number two, do you desire to follow Jesus? You know, do, do you desire to come to God? If your answer is yes, I want to come to God. I want to repent. I want to believe. Then you have not committed this sin. Because that is the spirit that gives us the desire to come to Christ. And that is the evidence that you have not committed this sin. Because it is the spirit who is giving you the desire to come or return to Christ. If you desire to repent... And come to Jesus. He welcomes you with open arms. So if there's that beckoning, I tell the people, if there's that beckoning in your soul, if there's there's that desire in your heart, man, I want to be right with God. I want to trust in him. I want to live for him. That is the Holy Spirit. Because we, in and of ourselves, in our own carnal, fleshly ways, we don't desire God. Because we're fallen. And we're sinful. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit that knocks on our hearts and gives us that desire on the inside that says, I want to believe in Christ. I want freedom. I want forgiveness. I I, want to live forever in heaven. That, my friend, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Man, before 1992, I love righteousness like a little kid loves peas and carrots. I had no desire at all for the things of God. But then in 1992, when I heard the gospel clearly proclaimed, along with a grandmother fervently on her knees praying for me, there was just like this overwhelming passion. Man, I want to know who God is. I want to know the Lord. I want to go to church on Sundays. I want to understand who God is. I want to understand what his requirements are. And he lovingly, gracefully uh, drew me into his kingdom through, through being born again, through discipleship. And all of that was a work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit desires to do that in each and every person's life. And it starts with them answering that call To not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, not reject the Holy Spirit, but say, yes, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. So he welcomes you. He welcomes you. He welcomes all people with open arms who will come to Christ and and, and turn from their sin and put their trust in him. Going back to the title of my message, The Strong Man. What you need to understand is this. The strong man Satan has been bound at the cross, and it, it is there where he was defeated. It is how do we how do we uh, we see satanic activity? We we maybe know someone who's possessed. How do you bind? How do you bind that strong man? That's the question I get. I hear in a lot of circles by sharing Christ, by sharing the Word of God. By, by proclaiming the cross, talking about the blood of Jesus, and let the Holy Spirit and the word of God do its work in their life, and the Lord Jesus Christ will come in, and he will kick that door down. He will open their heart to the truth of the gospel. And it sets us free. It sets us free, family. It sets us free from sin. Y'all have seen all the news this week on the Asbury Revival. I praise the Lord for that. How exciting and how awesome it is to see God moving in our universities, to see people coming to faith, and to see God pouring out His Spirit. How beautiful that is. Me and Irene sat down Friday night. We were watching it on TV, and, man, I I just wanted to weep. I just wanted to cry and say, wow. Did a little further investigation, you know, what's causing this revival? And I was told that uh, after the preaching some of the students got together, and you know what kicked it off? They started confessing their sins one to another. They started repenting. They started going to the altar and praying and confessing their sins one to another. Revival starts with repentance. And we need to understand that. Revival starts with repentance. What sin, what rebellion, what disobedience are you hanging on to that is keeping God from pouring out his spirit and working mightily in our community? I, I'm, just, I'm just speaking for myself, okay? As I was watching it over the weekend and seeing all the videos on it and watching it, you, man, my heart just, I don't know about you, but my heart just yearned, yearned for God. Like, God, pour out your spirit. And I was asking God, the pastor, was at home asking God this this weekend, God, what areas of my life, what do I need to bring to your throne of grace? What what areas of my life do I need to repent of? What, What part of my life doesn't conform to your word, to your truth? God, please give me the ability to repent. And I believe as my heart was being stirred over the weekend, I was thinking about this I couldn't help but to be reminded as I was studying the text this week, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit giving us the desire to rid ourselves of the things of this world and to pursue Christ with all of our hearts and let him pour out his spirit. You know, God is omniscient, omnipresent. He's all places, and he's doing a mighty work there at Asbury, but he wants to do that work here in Columbia too at churches all across South Carolina, at CIU, churches all across the country. Wherever people are that are hungry and open and willing to open their hearts to the Spirit, to answer the Holy Spirit's call, to come to Him in genuine repentance and faith, He will pour out His Spirit. So my prayer and my hope from today is that we get on fire for God. Let the world come to watch us burn. Let's ask him, let's ask God to move mightily by his Holy Spirit to call sinners to come home to Christ, to revive our souls and to help us um, get right with God. So whatever you're holding on to, maybe the Holy Spirit now is even putting his fingers on areas of your life and he's saying, you know what, you need to work on this. You need to repent of this. Take advantage of, that, of the Spirit's calling on your heart to repent and do what the Spirit says. Repent. Repent. And, and understand that Christ brings liberty. Christ brings freedom. Christ brings joy. Christ pours out his Holy Spirit. Why? Because he has bound the strong man, Satan, at the cross. The victory is ours. It's there? for the taking who come to the cross and who come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I come to you, Lord, in the mighty name of your son, the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we understand that you want the victory, that you have bound Satan, that he has been defeated at the cross. And we understand, Lord, that he comes in and he uh, sets us free. Lord, when we understand and we appropriate the gospel and, and we believe it with all our hearts and we trust in you and we look to you, God, I pray for each and every one of us this morning, Lord, that we will walk in that freedom. We'll walk in that joy, Lord, that we'll understand, Lord, that uh, you call us to repent, to turn away from sin, to turn away from darkness, and to put all of our trust and all of our love and all of our faith in you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to work in our hearts. Kevin's going to strum some music as he's strumming. And before he sings, I want each of you guys to do business with God. You, not the pastor, you ask God. You ask God what area of your life that you need to bring to his throne of grace. He specializes in grace, he will show you grace. the most difficult thing you're facing to whatever area of rebellion or disobedience you're in. Ask him, Lord, help me to repent. Spirit of the living God, work in our hearts this morning. Turn our hearts completely to you. We love you. And if you're here this morning and you need someone to talk to, find our brother or sister in Christ. Do what the scripture says. Confess your sins one to another. When we repent, times of refreshing come. Lord, please forgive us. Please forgive us for our unbelief. Please forgive us for our doubt. Please please forgive us of our iron fist towards heaven in resisting. God, please soften our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts by your spirit. Work mightily in our hearts. Bring us back to you, God, wholeheartedly. For we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name.